In the hospital, physician assistants do much of the same work as hospitalists. They handle most admission, history, and physicals, collaborate on consults, provide nighttime coverage for off-site physicians, and keep the service running smoothly. Many institutions that employ a hospitalist model are beginning to turn more and more to physician assistants to help solve their workforce issues, and the results have been better patient outcomes. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Ed Lopez, founder and president of La Palma Medicine and Surgical Associates in Tacoma, Washington, a systems management and staffing corporation who in 1995 was co-founder of the first formal MD-PA hospitals program in the country. Today, we are discussing the National Hospitalist Movement and the Physician Assistant. Hi, Ed. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Hi, Lisa. Nice to hear from you. Ed, when and where did the first known formal Physician Assistant Hospitalist group start? Well, the best that we can guess or tell was when our little six-person group of four physicians and two PAs came together in late 1995, early 1996, to cover the Franciscan hospitals as an experiment for a a local insurance company in Washington State for a one-year contract. That experiment of clinicians caring for patients full-time in the hospitals succeeded But unfortunately, the insurance company as a business did not, and it was sold off in parts. Well, what prompted the physician group to include physician assistants early on in that hospitalist movement? In our region, PAs were there from day one. However, the question was, should they be there long-term or as part of the long-range planning and growth? Over time, the answer became evident that when well-managed, PAs were able and available to do at least... 75% of the work of an internist physician in the hospital in a very safe and effective manner for roughly about 40% of the money paid to an MD. So from a practical manpower as well as an economic perspective, it made and continues to make good business sense in our setting. Well, medical politics plays a role in the growth of PAs in hospitalist medicine. How has the acceptance of the PA as a hospitalist team member changed over the years in your community and nationwide? In our community, PAs have been in the hospitals for years, serving in the surgical specialties. So it wasn't a big leap for PAs to become accepted into the internal medicine community. However, that said, that's not to say that it wasn't easy. It just became a professional transition in our community rather than sort of a cold-cocked reality of change for many. You are correct that politics must be addressed in any professional or cultural change, but I also believe that integral to the core of the acceptance of a PA as a hospitalist clinician is the support of the leadership of any hospital as it becomes a top-down priority for the vision of that hospital. And then I think the rank and the file fall in line easier with the notion that PAs will now be working on the medicine service. And for that, I have to tell you, I applaud and do respect the visionary efforts of the Franciscan Hospital Systems CEO, Joe Wilczek, and Chief Medical Officer Mike Newcomb, and our hospital's team medical director, Dr. Maureen Nucio. These, I think, were uh, pioneers when they, you know, didn't have any data and said, you know, we're going to try having PAs on this new venture. Let's talk about some of the other challenges then that the hospitals face when they consider adding a PA to their hospitalist team. Scope of practice. 
Considering that hospitalized patients are the sickest of all patients seen, many have concern regarding the ability of PAs to perform the clinical responsibilities required to care for these patients. What are your thoughts on this? Well, Lisa, I fully agree with those who are concerned about this. And and I tell PA students and new employees that we hire fairly often that the hospital is the last stop for that medical tragedy to land in. And if they have any doubt that they are either unable or unwilling to sacrifice the time, the energy, or the commitment to exceptional service in becoming and performing the duties of a hospital clinician, well, they should turn around and leave the hospital at that very moment. I am and I will remain to be a very strong national voice in helping to refine the clinical education of PAs as the need for their services, I believe, continues to increase in the hospital setting. Currently, the educational foundation that PAs receive with a primary care focus is second to none. But increasingly, the, I don't know, 140 PA programs now across the country are starting to realize that providing more mandatory and elective rotations in the hospital setting are equally important as well. Are there any postgraduate training programs for hospitalists? Actually, there are programs that are either opening or considering formal postgraduate residencies in hospital medicine. That gives me hope that the education and training of the PA provides the PA with the tools to be really exceptional hospital clinicians. Among, I think, those programs, uh, there's Alderson Broadus, I believe, is has a formal hospitalist program in place in addition to their others. Other places, like I said, have similar programs either starting or developing at this time. So back to some of the challenges. What about the ratio of PAs to physicians? That's one of the greatest challenges that hospitals face. And how does your group manage this? And what recommendations do you have for other groups that are struggling to find that perfect balance? Well, in the beginning, when you're starting something, of course, you you don't know what you don't know. So it's difficult to come up with formulas or equations to um, fit all the circumstances of safe and effective staffing. So And also, this ratio is so difficult to quantify because of the so many variables involved when you're managing hospitalized patients in a team. For instance, some of the variables to consider when you're staffing, of course, are the acuity level of the patient that you're admitted, the physician experience, the comfort level of working with PAs, the experience and the skill set of the PAs that you're using, the hospital infrastructure that you're working in, and the process systems that that hospital has in place, any of the ancillary staff, the consulting staff support, physician co-signing and supervision demands, et cetera, et cetera. So, indeed, it's not an easy one-size-fits-all ratio number that you can really easily achieve. That said, however, our experience over the years now seems to show that an MDPA ratio of 3 to 1 seems to work most of the time and in most cases, and seems to work very safely and effectively for all. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Ed Lopez, founder and president of La Palma Medicine and Surgical Associates in Tacoma, Washington, and co-founder of the first formal MD-PA hospitalist program in the country. Today, we are discussing the National Hospitalist Movement and the Physician Assistant. Ed, let's talk about the cost-effectiveness of the PA in a hospital setting. 
How does the PA model compare financially with the hospitalist MD model or the resident model? I think simply put, if you can hire a skilled professional to provide 75 to 80% of the work duties consistently, safely, and effectively for less than 45% of the cost of another professional, that makes really good business sense. But, of course, it's not that simple. There is a supervision component to this as well, which adds to the cost. However, even with the supervision component included, we know, in our experience, that the concept of the division of labor, when it's carried out as it should be, taking care of patients, demonstrates that the MD, because of the PA, can be more productive, more effective, and as the volume increases, be able to provide more comprehensive care as a physician PA team than if the PA had not been part of that equation. How about the resident model? The resident model, while this doesn't in any way say that resident physicians are not adequate or appropriate, the fact that there is no turnover every month, the fact that there is consistency, the fact that there is an ongoing staff that stays with the patient and the working community of the hospital has always been a very safe and effective uh, boon for particularly community hospitals and now being demonstrated in the teaching hospitals. There isn't a month-by-month who are we getting this month. It's a workforce that is known, that's safe, well-tuned, effective, and there isn't a turnover. There was a recent study published in the 2009 January-February issue of the American Journal of Medical Quality, and the study was a comparative analysis of replacing 30 medical residents and 9.5 FTE physicians with 23 PAs and 12.5 FTE physicians in the inpatient division of a medical service at an academic teaching hospital. And the findings were that the PA in a hospitalist model are as effective in providing care as medical residents. And it also showed that the mortality rate dropped from 2.85% for the medical residents to 1.94 in the PA model. What are your thoughts about this study, and do you think this study will help open the doors to more PAs in this hospitalist role? Yes, I do think it's going to open more and more doors for the PAs, but the results really reveal no surprise whatsoever, not because the medical residents were not quality physicians in training, but because it confirms what other studies have shown in other clinical settings going back to the 70s when it was done in the surgical specialty world, that when you have a dedicated workforce providing daily services on a continuum without the chance of the working staff leaving every month or rotating through that medical service, it's no surprise that the outcomes are what they are and that that patient satisfaction proves, which, by the way, patient satisfaction has a significant monetary attachment to it. It actually adds to the bottom line. Let's talk a bit about revenue and billing issues. Per Medicare rules, PAs can bill out at 85% of the physician rate if they bill under their own provider number. And that's led some hospitalist programs to assume that they'll make less revenue if they hire a PA, which isn't the case. Could you talk about the shared visit rule and also how having a PA bill the service can leave the MD open to also bill for needed services? Without getting into the sort of the minutia of billing, I think suffice it to say that Medicare has ruled that the services rendered by a PA in the hospital setting are to be paid at an average rate of about 85% of the physician's fee. However, I think the good news is that 
in the team concept of the hospitalist setting when the PA and the physician are working together, that when the physician comes by to see the patient uh, in the afternoon, let's say, or in the evening of the same day that the PA saw the patient in that morning, if there was a clinical intervention or a higher level of medical management necessity delivered by that physician, that billing may be eligible for either a shared visit fee or an upcoding depending on the level of service that that physician provided to that same patient. Furthermore, and I think that we would all agree that if we had a morning visit and an evening visit by our healthcare provider, we would feel better cared for. And I think those things less would actually be missed. But regarding billing issues, I think that is one of the biggest things that when uh, done properly, uh, and I would say that every facility needs to check with their local coding advisor for details, but that is one of the, I believe, many of us believe currently, is one of the strong points of working with PAs and physicians together taking care of patients. What do you think the satisfaction rate of physician assistants working in the hospital as full-time hospital clinician is? I can tell you in our experience. We have currently 18 PAs and uh, ARMPs, and we have nearly 50 physicians now in our group. And I can tell you that our attrition rate is less than 5% over time. And what I call the happiness quotient is very, very high. In fact, had a meeting last night, and it was stressed by many of our mid-level PAs and nurse practitioners. Very pleased and very happy. Fantastic. What do you think the prediction of whether the PA has a future as a hospitalist clinician for a formal career specialty track is? Well, having seen it from its beginnings to where the hospitalist movement is today and how its growth continues each quarter, having recently heard prediction that by 2017, Medicare as we know it would be financially insolvent if something doesn't change, and then reading and hearing President Obama's commitment to reining in the U.S. healthcare system costs, as far as I and many of us are concerned, is there any other profession out there today that can provide us the return on our investment healthcare dollars like a PA or ARMP that cares for a hospitalized patient? I don't think so. And so as I see the future for PAs, it's very, very bright as hospital clinicians. Thank you, Ed, for coming on the show. My pleasure. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.